This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 134. Today on our show, Michael Flannery. I didn't tell anybody in Cincinnati, and I got an 800 number voicemail. I wanted to be from Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. I always wanted to have a connection there. But I knew I had seen that people who had gone on to Hollywood, everybody in Cincinnati was really happy for them. But if they didn't make it, it wasn't like they could come back. Comedian, game show host, TV reporter, TV presenter, kid show host, you know him for loads of things. On this episode, Michael talks about being a comedian during what we call the first comedy boom back there in the 80s, becoming a popular kid show host, the return of his game show Know-It-Alls, and more. He also talks about his work with Goodwill, and we get tips on how to find the best stuff there. Now, if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for the promo code at the end of the episode. You can use that to take 20% off your entire cincyshirts.com or oldschoolshirts.com order, or even use it in one of our stores. Now, let's talk to Michael Flannery. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T. Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at Cincy Oh, here he is. There he is. Here I is. Hi, Josh. Miguel. Miguel. There we go. So we're calling Betty LaRosa to sing happy birthday. Is that what this is? <laughs> right. Cool. Michael knows it. He'll get him on the horn. There we go. 90 years old. That's amazing. That is amazing. Have you eaten all that food for 90 years? It's a lot of pizzas. <laughs> That's a lot of pizzas. Oh. <laughs> he he told me I was fat, basically. Do you remember that? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, he's done that thing. to me, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and the thing is, and he told me when I started to get fat, he goes, hey, Michael, you know, our short guys, we got to really watch this because and it's like, damn, he's the only one who cared. <laughs> Everybody else is going, hey, you look great. You've been working out. No, I've been eating out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I told him. I was like, this is your fault. The reason I look like this, this is your fault. He was, he was awesome. Hey, how was the show in Yellow Springs? Oh, unbelievable. It, it was cool. It was really cool. I mean, it would have been cool anytime when you yeah. have those kind of comics, but to see it when it's pretty much the only comedy show going on in the whole world and you're like one of the 200 people that get to see it, like it was just, it was surreal. I'll bet. And how did they divide everybody up? Was there, was there marks on the ground or something? Yeah. Two chairs. And then uh, in in a circle, and then the circles were spread out, uh, you know, just sort of like painted in the grass. But, you know, it was also like, not to sound corny, but it sounds like you're the same way. Like, it was just nice to to feel like after I've been doing comedy for 20 years that I could still get excited about seeing comedy. That's great. 
you know what I mean? Like oh, to yeah. know that I'm not that I'm not at a point where it's jaded and nothing's funny to me. And if I'm not on a show, I don't want to be there kind of attitude. Like I was just like, it was, it was kind of refreshing to be like, man, I'm going to a comedy show. I'm not performing and I'm really excited to see it. Like that was a nice feeling to have. Well, some of it might also be as to how, you know, it's like going to a comedy show and then you're going, this guy couldn't follow me. <laughs> but, then, but then, you know, I don't know if you felt that way or not when you were in Yellow Spring. Well, no, I mean, you know, yeah. again, with no hyperbole, like three of the probably four people on my Mount Rushmore of comedy were on the same show. Wow. So, you know, when when are you going to get to have an experience like that at any time, let alone at a time like this? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. But it, I mean, it was definitely different. I mean, the out, outside environment and, uh, you know, everybody wearing masks, it was hard to hear people's reactions. So I, I didn't feel like they were uh, they were struggling at times to figure out if they were doing well or not. But, uh, I mean, it was funny to see, like, you know, like Brian Regan up there. Just oh, one like He said after the show, he was like, I couldn't tell if I got them or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you know, it was just... It was just really different wild that's wild so when when did you start comedy i started in like 80 and vaudeville uh, yeah <laughs> yeah 1880 <laughs> <laughs> and then they invented microphones <laughs> and then things really took off those were swell I was, on, I was on the road in the early 80s that was a lot of fun i'm just so glad that they set it up the way they did to where there was the headliner got their own room and it was a hotel. Sometimes you shared, sometimes you didn't, because we'd be in a hotel working in the band from the showroom, and the five people in the band were sharing one. Wow. And the three of us would have our own rooms and stuff. So whoever were the first guys out there, I got to thank them for that. <laughs> so what was the comedy scene like here locally? Was there much of anything? or? Oh, it was, it was very good. Uh, Will Durst would come in. Oh, he's so great. Will Durst. Yeah. The Amp Bodies and DWI were, were known nationally for with all the comics. They'd come through and work the place. Wow. He'd be doing improv, different improv bouts in the area. There was a open mic every night. And at one point, there were five clubs in town that had paid shows on the weekends. Wow. That was too many. But yeah. And this is uh, what were they? Two Funny Bones and Ray Combs and Two Funny. No, this was before Ray. Two Funny Bones. There was one at the Radisson on Springdale. By Princeton High School, right? Yeah, near Princeton High School. That Radisson Hotel near the Benihanas. The Windjammer. Yeah. They would have comedy there in their big theater meeting room. And uh, Kevin Orr was at the Red Dog. There was another guy like Kevin Orr at the Pfeiffer Road Hotel. So it was just, you know, overloaded. And this is really before, you know, uh, like, cable was just taken off and you were starting to see all those, like, young comedian specials. Or was that kind of all happening at the same time? Happened pretty much at the same time because that's what hurt the first comedy boom in the 80s was because suddenly you'd turn on cable and there'd be a brick wall on every channel with somebody standing in front of it, and they they might be great, they might not. 
And then somebody sees somebody who's not so good on cable and they go, well, I'm not going to pay to see that. <laughs> on every damn channel there is. In a weird way, that boom was kind of what, you know, a, a chain of events led to me getting into stand-up because I was just having a random conversation with uh, a restaurant manager that I had become friends with. I was eating there almost every night for dinner after school uh, at NKU. I was taking night classes. And there was this really funny restaurant manager at Willie's in Westchester who uh, would do impressions when he took food to people's tables. And he and I just became buddies and struck up a conversation one day about Saturday Night Live and comedy. And I told him that I had always thought about maybe trying stand-up comedy. And that's when he revealed to me that no one else that worked there knew that about him, but that he had moved to Cincinnati because of the comedy boom. And he was teaching classes for people to go do like open mic nights and stuff. And, uh, and then when the boom died down, he had to figure out a way to support his family. So he just got into the service industry, but that boom is what brought him here because Cincinnati had five clubs. And ultimately he convinced me to do my first open mic night, which changed my life forever. Cool. Yeah. And Cincinnati was a great place to start on the road because Within an eight-hour circle, there were so many major cities. Louisville, right. Lexington, Nashville, Knoxville, Detroit, Columbus. Columbus, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Chicago. Yeah, it's insane. That's what I tell people, too. Geographically, you can't pick a better place than Cincinnati to start because you're probably driving everywhere. And yep. it was even, even clubs that I had to drive to and then drive back that night after the show because I had to work the next day. It was nice to have more than just the options in the city. I could go to Indy or Dayton or Columbus right. or Louisville or Lexington and drive back after the show. Right. What were the other cities like at that point? Did, they, did, did a lot of cities have multiple comedy clubs at that time? They did. Um, there were some of the ones that you just dreamed of getting into, like Atlanta, now, what was the name of that one in Atlanta? The Punchline. The Punchline. That was a huge club. And the manager of that club went on to manage people in L.A., Messina, yep. as far as for movies and sitcoms and stuff. Tim Allen and lots of lots of Drew Carey, lots of big names. Yep. But they came through here, too. Um, Ellen, I worked with Ellen at the Funny Bone here. Was it a toxic show? <laughs> a, a what? Was it toxic? Was it toxic or whatever? Where no, was it now? Like, it, I guess she's all of a sudden. Yeah, I haven't been following that about her getting a hassle about not being nice. I worked with her for a week of one-nighters, and she rode my pickup truck, and she was great. She was very nice. Every night at a different hotel, comedy club, and I got nowhere. Super <laughs> funny. I mean, she was... Her stand-up was super funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I thought if I just played my cards right, you know. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> Say there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> so, she's, very, she's very nice. I liked working with her, Dennis Miller, Jerry Seinfeld. I mean, it's cool because it's, you got to, you know, you were hanging out. So I, I saw Turner and Hooch with Jerry Seinfeld. Nice. I, was I saw. Working at, I went 
Go ahead. I want to hear the story. Sorry. <laughs> I, I was working a nine spell with Blake Clark, and everybody goes, oh, Blake Clark, he's great. You know, I'd never met him or even heard of him before. And we're driving by the movie theater, and it had St. Elmo's Fire up there. I went, oh, hey, have you seen St. Elmo's Fire? Yep. He goes, seen it. I'm in it. <laughs> he was the bartender at St. Elmo's who uh, fired Rob Lowe. And I'm sitting there asking him, hey, you want to go see a movie? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, most of the time, most of the time, those guys are up for that, though. You know, I I saw a bunch of movies with Mitch Hedberg. I I saw a bunch of movies with Robert Schimmel. He 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 loved to go to the movies. We would go to the movies and then we would stay there and go watch a different movie without even leaving. Right. And I just for how surreal I thought that that all was. That you know, he he asked me to take him to the Larry Flint Hustler store. And uh, and I was like, oh my god, I'm driving Robert Robert Schimmel to the Hustler store, and so he he bought the the Joys of Masturbation book, and I was like, this is like crazy. Like I was like barely doing comedy, and then he gets in the car and he calls Howard Stern to tell him that he bought him a book, and I'm like, like I couldn't believe like the world that I was living in that in my car in Cincinnati, I had just seen a movie with Robert Schimmel. And now he's calling Howard Stern from my car, just like they're, right. you know, they're buddies. This is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I was with Drew uh, Carey. He used to always like to go to the strip bar across the street from us. When I lived in, I had an apartment in LA and one in Norwood. So Hollywood and Norwood. And I was doing Club 19. And I said, I don't have any money to go with you. He goes, oh, I'll take care of you. They're dancing. And every once in a while, he'd slide me a dollar bill to give to the lady. At one point, I'm putting it in her garter belt on her leg, and I turn to Drew and go, I'm a kid's show host. <laughs> <laughs> now, when you... That's good, though. That's good for you. Oh, yeah. Those, right? Oh, yeah. There was... The, the one well, I like is I got... I took part in a felony and didn't even know it. <laughs> we were at... A place in South Carolina, one of the bus boys came up to me in the headliner and said, uh, it was John Rathbone, and said, hey, you want to go for a ride in my boat tonight after the show? And I said, sure. So after the show, we go down to the marina. It was right there. And he's walking along the dock ahead of us about 10 yards. And he goes, here it is. And jumps in. And we get, he goes, I can't turn on the lights. I, I don't have any lights, but... You're not allowed to be driving at night without lights, but, you know, if the Coast Guard comes, they won't know where we are. They'll just be able to hear a boat and they'll search it. But it's okay. So we're cruising around in the ocean and suddenly a siren goes on and you see the Coast Guard looking for us. We don't have any running lights. He turns turns it back to the marina and floors it. We're just going <laughs> over these waves. And John Rathbone goes, ding, 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 And we get in and he parks it. We walk up the dock and go away. And then that's when John told me, he goes, you know, he just stole that boat. He just walked down until he saw a boat with keys in it and said, here it is. And took it for a joyride with us. I'd still be in jail. Wow. It's hilarious. So it seemed like when I started that the natural progression was you work your way up to headline all over the country to set yourself up for a sweet gig in your hometown when you were done being a comedian or 
dialing back at least how much you were on the road. Mm-hmm. Was that ever the plan for you or was that just sort of naturally happened to gain so much traction doing stuff here locally after you had already become a successful road comic? I was a successful road comic from Cincinnati. And then when I got an apartment in L.A., I didn't tell anybody in Cincinnati. And I got an 800 number voicemail because I know I wanted to be from Cincinnati. I love Cincinnati. I always wanted to have a connection there. But I knew I had seen that people who had gone on to Hollywood, everybody in Cincinnati was really happy for them. But if they didn't make it, it wasn't like they could come back. So I just never told anybody I left. So I was in L.A. and a friend of mine figured it out. And he goes, you're doing a kid show in Cincinnati where everybody knows you. And I said, right. And he goes, and then you come to L.A. where you can't get arrested? And I was like, yeah, right. Because he was getting all these sitcom auditions. And I wasn't. He goes, that's got to be really weird. And it was. But I liked it. You know, when Channel 19 asked me if I wanted to do a kid show host. And I thought, and be like Uncle Al? Yeah. You know, forget the sitcom. I was, you know, thrilled. Were you on the Uncle Al show? No, I never got to go. I watched it. And I was a big Paul Dixon fan. I pretended I was sick so I could stay home and watch the chicken wedding and just love Paul Dixon. No, I'm, I'm not familiar with Paul Dixon. He was like, um, did you remember Bob Braun, the Bob Braun show? I don't remember the show. I remember, I remember seeing like clips of it, but I, I don't, I never watched it. It would be a morning magazine type show, like an Ellen show, but local. And back then, before they had the national talk shows, people came out with a movie. They'd travel around to different cities to be on their big shows. And Bob Braun was in Dayton and Indianapolis and Louisville and Lexington. So if somebody had a movie, they'd come to his show and hit all those cities. And he'd have guests. And there was a band and several people on the staff who sang. And it was in the audience was all the housewives in the afternoon. And Paul Dixon, one of his sponsors was was Oscar Meyer, and he gave away a five foot sausage every day. <laughs> to, he, to the housewives. <laughs> yes, to a housewife. <laughs> and he'd pull it out and it was the wiener the world awaited. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and he had it in a case that he would unzip. No. <laughs> Unzip and peel back this cloth sleeping bag type to reveal this huge sausage. And I had no idea why everybody was laughing at that. <laughs> but it was just amazing. There's got to be a clip of this out there somewhere. Somewhere there has to exist a clip of this. I'll find it for you. <laughs> And I'm doing the know-it-all show out of my car now, and I'm holding, and I gave away a sausage once. And I thought, okay, whoever gets this question right, this sausage is coming to your box. No, your mailbox. It's going to be, I'll I'll mail it to you. And it's like, no wonder. (laughs) I love that Uncle Al would be like a a reference for you of like, because that's what you do. You know, like you were that guy for me of like a measuring stick of, things that you can do in your hometown, you know, like I've always had that attitude of not feeling like I had to be in LA or New York because there's so many things you can do as a comic 
hometown. For a lot of guys, it was their own radio show, but you were obviously someone who who went beyond that. Yep, it's it's the it's called the big fish in a small pond, and they they did that in the. And, they were saying, okay, now you're going to be a host of this TV show at our station. Are you going to be like a pirate? Are you going to be a, a leprechaun? And I said, no, 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 I'm not. That's like, I'm going to be Michael. And if the kids love it, then I have a bench I can go to because I'm always going to be Michael. So we'll just go by that and I'll be, you know, maybe the older brother or uncle or whatever. But I'm just going to be myself instead of the pirate. And I get tired of doing the pirate. Then what do I do? Wow, they listen to you, huh? Yeah. Which was amazing. Yeah, you were like Seinfeld. You, yeah. you 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 demanded to maintain creative control, or it wasn't going to fly. I couldn't grab all the control, but I told them I'm allowed to say no to anything I say or do. And they said, "Okay." What kind of things did you have to say no to? Uh, the pirate was one. Okay. Um, for Valentine's <laughs> Day, they wanted me to hold a a heart on a stick and throw confetti in the air and stuff like that. But I got in some trouble for some of the things I did. Um, oh, I want to hear these stories. Yeah, yeah. I was I was eating a bowl of cereal and then noticed the camera was on me. So I said something about, we'll be right back with more cartoons after this with a whole mouthful of Cheerios and milk coming out and down my shirt, which is funny. And every kid thought it was funny. And so they were doing it at the table before they went to school and had to stop and go change their shirts. <laughs> And so mom started calling the station. What? Well, yeah, I asked, you know, can you ha stop having Michael do that? Because I'd do one clip and it would run for a month. And do you remember Baloney Map? No. Uh, we need a Baloney Man shirt. I like it already. Baloney Map, yeah. It's, I would take a, <laughs> I had a, a map of the United States where each state, you know, wooden state was cut out like the shape of the state. And I put that on a piece of bologna and cut out the shape of the state. And going into the commercial, I'd go, it's time for bologna, man. I'll be right back and show you what it is. And I'm chewing on a piece of bologna. So it looks like I chewed out the piece of the state. And then when they were holding a piece of glass in between me and the camera, and I go, okay, here it is. And I slap it up on the glass. It's Kentucky. And the capital is Frankfurt. Because bologna sticks to glass. <laughs> and then they'd add the capital in there. And then we got a letter from or a call from a mom who, in the spring, couldn't all winter long, she couldn't figure out why her kitchen smelled bad. The kids had put a slice of bologna on every single pane of glass on the kitchen window, but they had the drapes closed all winter. And they just sat there and got old and smelled bad. <laughs> <laughs> Parents hated you. Oh, some of them. I was scared of a lot of them. I'd be, but then, what, were there any uh, were there any moms that were telling you what a big fan their child was? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'd be signing autographs and I'd sit in a little chair, so I'd be the same height as the kids. And sometimes, depending on the event, I could be there for eight hours talking to each kid as they came up, and their parents were standing behind them and. So many kids came up and, hi, what's your name? Billy. Hi, Billy. My mommy says she knows you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Is that your mom behind you? Uh-huh. Is she smiling right now? Because it would be much better if she was smiling instead of scowling. 
Oh, hi. I meant to call you back. Oh, that's great. But it was a lot of fun, and I had to behave myself um, because I took it seriously. I mean, as far as now, I was a single guy. I was working in nightclubs, but during if I wasn't in a comedy bar, then I would I wouldn't drink. Um, I had tickets to go to the Cyclones games, and I wouldn't drink any beer there because kids would still come up and say hi to me and stuff. Some guys, some kids walked right into my apartment when I was taking a nap. Hi, Michael, you want to play baseball? Which makes sense. I'm on TV every day, and they knew where I lived. Let's see if Michael wants to play. It's like, yeah, I want to play baseball. <laughs> Let's go down, and then we'll go to the hardware store, and I'll get a bolt for my door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you need security. <laughs> yeah. Have some big eighth grader walking around pushing the younger kids around. That would work. <laughs> Well, did you guys like watching it? Yeah, I did. I, I remember, was, was there ever a turf war between you and Krista? No, never. Um, we had lunch once lunch together, together. And, an autograph, and the waitress was thrilled to get the only autograph on a napkin of both of our names for her kid. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be worth yeah. some money. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I'm talking about Krista from the Star 64 Kids Club. She, she was the good did show overlap, host, right? really good in a bathing suit. <laughs> yeah. I did not. <laughs> did, did That did overlap, though, right? I mean, for the yeah. whole time? or uh, They started theirs after we did. And, um, you know, it didn't bother me. There were some events that we were both there. I never got to talk to her. Uh, we met at that lunch because she wanted some advice in negotiating her contract. It was, you know, didn't bother me at all. She's now a uh, children's minister for a church in uh, Kentucky. I can't remember if it's Louisville or Lexington. But people always, you know, say, oh, you were that guy on Star 64 with Krista. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? You just, not, it's not worth correcting them? No, no, it's not. You know, when they say, Hey, you're that guy. You're that one guy. And I go, Clyde Gray. They go, yeah. <laughs> if they do that, I let it go. Hi, <laughs> Clyde. See you. Nice to meet you. Oh, man. So how much stand-up are you still doing? I haven't done any since March. And I'm well, dying. No. Yeah. Um, I have a, uh, like a house, a house show to do. Somebody's backyard. They invited all their friends. They wanted us to do safe distancing comedy, so I'm doing that next Saturday. But I haven't found anything. I mean, how can I get 200 people in a shoulder-to-shoulder in a room? Just call up Chappelle. Yeah, find a big field somewhere or a drive-in. Yeah, the drive-in is a really interesting concept. But I was telling somebody last week when we had our movie premiere there that it's like, man, if you own a drive-in, you were really playing the long game. It's like sitting on Beanie Babies telling yourself they're going to be worth something again one day. But right. This global pandemic sure has revived the drive-in business. Metallica's playing them. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I think they're streaming their concert to drive-ins. And the Holiday Hollywood Theater, from my understanding from an article I read, they were going to open up and they couldn't. 
because of the pandemic. So they painted the wall in the back of the building white and they put together a drive-in with a low power radio station. Saw- so they have room for like 30 cars to see movies all weekend. In Europe, they're taking buildings like uh, hotels and then the p- people sit on the balcony and then the band sets up in the parking lot down below. And then everybody just has, you know, everyone that's facing the parking lot has, you know, a, a seat for the concert. That's cool. Yeah. So if you're in a hotel, in this, <laughs> you're like a mom and, <laughs> a mom and pop. I do, I do own a motel. I've been wondering what the hell to do with that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, no, wait, but it's a, it's a motel six. It's all one story. It's not going to work. That's right. That's right. Um, but it's fun with the Club 19. And one thing I always kept in mind was that I was, you know, going to see these people when they were adults. And the year before it closed down, I was going to, I had a secret wave that I was going to do. And that would have been cool because anybody who saw me in a car or something like that. But my proctologist is a Club 19 member. <laughs> <laughs> We'll be right back with more cartoons after this little (laughs) You never sent me my membership card. (laughs) That stuff, that's a lot of fun. So when did uh, that wrap up? Because that was actually after my time. Shortly after I moved here, it seems, you were over at Channel 9. I have just uh, the vaguest notions of of Fox 9 because I was in my mid-20s, so I I might happen to see the Fox 19 Kids Club, because I was going to watch the afternoon programming on Channel 19. But um, but I know you more, me personally, as from, from being a Channel 9 TV personality, and of course the first incarnation of know-it-alls and all that. So what, how does right. that transition take place? Um, I was hosting the Emmy Awards, and I happened to win five, but I was doing it, I want, wanted to show how, that I could be a feature reporter. So I did a feature story that fit to the, to the you know, video roll-ins and stuff like that. And Channel 9 offered me a job after that to be the morning anchor and uh, for their er, early bird news. And so they offered me a job doing that. And Channel 9 had, 19 had already started doing news. And they had moved my set to the cafeteria where we were shooting then. So the writing was on the wall. Uh-huh. It was going to go away soon. So what what do you think undid that, though? Because when I was in Cleveland, we had a, a similar thing in high school. Uh, a guy I went to high school with, he was actually, he hosted one with this other gal, uh, a Krista-like personality. And they those were very huge in the 80s and into the early 90s, and all of a sudden they were off. Uh, it was, I went to Channel 9 in 95. Okay. Club 19 ran from 90 to 95. And it was part of the Fox Kids Club. And that's pop was brand new and they were just trying to build their audience so they were having these fox kids clubs all across the country cincinnati was the third biggest in the country second only to la and new york and they had them all over and some people had a fox somebody dressed up like a fox you know with a big fox head on or he didn't say no he didn't say no to that yep i said no i said no to the fox head (laughs) and uh so they were doing them all over. And when I left, they kept the the graphics that said the kids were watching Club 19 and the same cartoons and everything else. There just wasn't a host. Oh, and they did, they, they did something that no other station would do, is they let me say goodbye and tell the kids that I wasn't going to be on anymore. 
because usually you just tune in the next day and that person's gone. But they let me go on and go, hey, I'm going to be on another television station. I'm not going to be here doing this anymore, but it's been a lot of fun. And if you see me, make sure you come up and say hello. And some a mother, I was doing a show with the symphony, and I finished my part and was walking off at the rehearsal, and one of the violin players stopped me and said, hey, I want to thank you for saying goodbye to the kids. That really was important. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that is nice to let you do that, because like you said, a lot of times it's just, you know, that's it. <laughs> next guy, yeah. next concept. Yep. And yeah, you see it in radio all the time. Literally like, hey, here's your stuff in a box. Tomorrow <laughs> we're going to go a different yeah, direction. They, they walk you to the door. But Channel 9 was pretty good. And they didn't try to make money off of it either. I mean, they weren't selling stuff or anything like that. They weren't like some of these evil people selling T-shirts. That's what I almost said. Cultures. <laughs> 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 but they were uh, they were good. they were concerned about the kids, which was nice. I miss it. I miss it. Was that what was that like that last day? Was it tough to say goodbye? Did you? Was it emotional at all? Yeah, bitterness? You just don't want to tell everybody to... No, I wasn't bitter. It was time to, to go. It was the one time that I knew it was and, you know, took advantage of that. They, they weren't too bitter about it. They were they were sad. I wished it would continue, but it was past the time when you could be a kid show host forever. Has there been any talks of bringing it back? Nope. I wish they would. I mean, I mean... I'm sorry, kids today don't have something like that. Yeah, well, YouTube, you think of doing something yourself? No, I haven't done Kids Club. Uh, I'm doing the know-it-alls, and that's fun. You know, if you want to win something from my car, like a <laughs> roll of dental floss or something. Electrical like tape. Electrical like tape, yeah. Some rare yellow electrical tape. It is rare, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yes. How did Know It All's come, come about originally? Because I remember watching that back, you know, when it first started, when it was on well, late night Saturday night, I believe, on Channel 9. Opposite Saturday Night Live. There you go. And once we had almost way under their ratings. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> and now it's 5 o'clock on my Facebook page, and you can win 350 square feet of carpet cleaning or maybe a T-shirt. Hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> now, talk about know-it-alls the first time around. The show was, it was a syndicated show, and uh, you'll, you'll recognize the name of the guy who owned it, Tartikoff. What? Yeah. As He's a... the guy, yeah, Brandon Tartikoff. He was the guy who came up with the idea of the show. And it was supposed to be, they did it in Indianapolis, and you'll find a video of it with Bob and Tom as the two contestants. Hmm. Where the contestants are just at podiums and the host is there. So it's very minimal investment in set. And he just asked the questions and they'd answer them and uh, put them on the board. And, and I wanted, you know, I want a talk show. I want a late night talk show, damn it. So I came up with the idea of having the host behind the desk and the two contestants sitting on the couch. And I'd come out and do a monologue up front and then go back. And the desk was Al Shadowcotty's TV that was in his office, one of those big console pieces. 
and we pulled out the TV and put in a new Trinitron in there, and they use that as a scoreboard. That's right. I remember that. And it gave me the opportunity for, to do bits sitting at the stage. I put a paper shredder in the top of the TV so I could read something and then just shred it instead of throwing it behind me like Letterman does, the card that yeah. would crash the window. I just shred it. And one of them, I remember, said, if you like know-it-alls, please call 772-3618 and let them know. That's Channel 12's phone number. <laughs> it really upsets them when people call them and tell them how much they like the programming on Channel 9. And where did you tape that? <laughs> tape that at the, in, in the old Uncle Al studio. Oh, okay. You were just getting that one, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was sort of, I realized I was like kind of laughing to myself and I was like, I should make sure they know that it was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you were like trolling before trolling was a thing. I love it. <laughs> OG troll. Yeah, I remember the one thing on that show, because we, we talked before setting up the interview, uh, there was talk of, I used to write about TV for City Beat and you hadn't had the notion, well, maybe you'd have me on with Keyswetter. And we, because you tried to theme the guests as like being from the same kind of fields and things like that. But anyway, I was right. I was scared to death though because I'd only lived here a couple of years, and one of the categories, a big category, was high school colors. And I live, uh, I still do live in Anderson. And I'm like, I know like three schools, <laughs> so I probably would have gotten wiped out on that. And plus, I didn't know much Cincinnati history at the time. Now I'd probably kick everybody's butt. But uh, then I I didn't know a thing. Yeah, a lot of them were you knew it or you didn't. Yeah, yeah. I know all of them. You know, like which do these which streets don't intersect? And you have a couple of list of intersections or two streets, and one of them is Winton and Hamilton. Unless you know they run parallel, you're not going to know that. But it's fun. You know, I love Cincinnati. That's the main thing that's behind all of my decisions. Well, and that. And that goes to something that Josh always talks about, is that that's a, a, a great local thing, and that's something that you can't do anywhere else but here, you know, is have a, a show about Cincinnati that only people in this area or from this area well, yeah, would really know. Yeah, because you understand it's about Cincinnati. Right, right. In Indianapolis, that wouldn't work. Yeah, and that was what Gary Burbank told us too. He said he came when he came here. He hired Doc Wolf to help him out because he said, "I really want to know the town. I don't want to be like some guy that just strolled in here and mispronounces the names of things or you know makes fun of something that people don't think you should make fun of or, or you know or maybe yeah. there's something that people have overlooked or something." So yeah, it's like any time a new TV reporter comes into town and says Reading Road, <laughs> Clo Pike, <laughs> Chevois. I think they're correcting it. <laughs> But I've so when did when'd you get involved with Goodwill? When I was out of work with Channel Nine and my life and my health insurance was running out. <laughs> they had asked me to do a couple commercials. And I said, Yeah. And then what they gave me a tour. They kept asking me to get to give me a tour of the place, and I said I don't need that tour. You know, we help people just. I know I have a daughter with disabilities. I don't need a tour. And honestly, to get them to stop calling me and asking me for a tour, I took the tour, and I spent the whole time going, I didn't know you did that. I didn't know you did that. 
And the on the tour, I found out they were looking for a bus driver that would drive four hours in the morning, four hours at night. And I thought that'd be a great job because then I could produce videos in the four hours in the middle. So I went to the CEO because before I could fill out the application, they asked me to do more commercials. And I thought, well, I can't negotiate a commercial price sitting at a, in a bus seat. No, you're not paying me enough. <laughs> Close the door on him. So I went to him and I said, why don't we just figure out one price for, I'll drive the bus and do commercials. And I have other skills. And he asked me to be the public information officer and just tell everybody about Goodwill, go around, do speaking, get on the radio and television. And it's grown from there. And now along with Yeah. It's a real a real day job, which is nothing any of us wanted for the kid from College Hill. You don't want a day job, do you, Josh? I'm not familiar with that term. Uh, <laughs> and I am No, so, I don't want to go back. I don't want I'm to go so back. happy for you for that reason. <laughs> but you know, other other local celebrities, you know, have, have joined on and sort of become faces for Goodwill. Do they have similar stories of how they joined? They were asked because they were already in radio. Um, I have a full-time job up here at the building. Um, Mike McConnell was at WLW. Joe Walters is on our board, board of directors. Yeah. So, you know, for him to do commercials is no problem at all. They've stopped doing television commercials because of budget reasons with COVID when we had to shut down for two months. We're still recovering from that. <laughs> well, I imagine that, uh, that, that once the reopening began, that it was like a department store at all, all the Goodwills. Cause I know a lot of people had a lot of time at home to figure out things that they wanted to donate. I'm sure you guys were overwhelmed when you opened the donation centers back open. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And, at the time, we didn't even have to open them. They were closed, and people were just dropping stuff off. Somebody said that the COVID-19 and spring cleaning collided, and that's exactly what it was. Everybody had all that time at home, and they were cleaning. And there's tons of cool stuff at Goodwill now. That's awesome. Well, are you guys still doing the online stuff? Like, like yep. picky? I, I feel like for I saw that for a few minutes, but I haven't seen it lately. You guys... You, you pick stuff sort of randomly that you think has more value that might reach a bigger audience and put it online or yes, how does that exactly work? exactly it. Is if there's something that's, you know, uh, unique or uh, like an autographed jersey, something like that, that has a certain audience or, um, you know, they came across some Civil War uniform stuff. They're not going to put that What's the craziest thing you've ever heard or seen get donated or turned in, whether it's value or just something like totally wild? Every once in a while, we'll get a box of Brookwood pottery, and it'll be mixed in with, like, jelly glasses with the Flintstones on them or something. Now, those and are valuable. What it is, is that, yeah, I'd buy the Flintstone glasses. Right? <laughs> but it's somebody's parents passed away and they don't live in town. And because I found, I said, who donated this box? Because I saw the Brooklyn. He said, oh, the lady, they just drove out there, headed to the airport to fly home. They were cleaning out their mom's house. 
So their mom died and had these pieces of rookwood pottery, and they just dropped them off at Goodwill. Wow. I found what it. What is worth? Oh, it could be worth, you know, 500 or more, depending on what it is. Yeah, so in that case, do you guys go and take it and get it appraised and uh, sell it on some other market? Uh, or or do you just put it out with the, you know, the rest of the stuff, the VCR, mix it in? Uh, yep. If you go to the shopgoodwill.com, Goodwills across the country will submit items there. And there's at each store, there's also a glass cabinet behind a counter, which has like musical instruments and video uh, games or electronics or something. Right. And things like that. Now, I picked up a $50 hollow body bass like Paul McCartney played a knockoff and three years later sold it for $300. So there's, you know, and there are people in there shopping all the time. I saw a mispriced pair of Bose 901 speakers Price twenty four bucks a piece. These are three thousand dollars speakers, and I want a cart to get them to take them to a manager to say I think maybe you misplaced these. And I'm on my way to to pick them up. There was a customer whistling like crazy with them in his cart, <laughs> <laughs> and he got to the counter and they said, "Oh, electronics is half off." I started <laughs> to cry. Oh man! <laughs> yeah, guy got twelve. They were twelve bucks a piece. Wow, that's insane. Yeah, Goodwill is a good place to shop. Apparently. Yeah, we always joke that in Florida, the Goodwills like in Florida or like the Goodwill that's in like um, on Montgomery Road out by Go Bananas across from Carlo and Johnny, mm-hmm. like those are the ones you go to because the neighborhood of the houses that it's in, you, what you just said, you, you know, like in Florida, it's like, oh, Mom and dad moved down here, bought a bunch of nice stuff. They passed away. The kids flew down, sold the house, dropped everything off of Goodwill. And it's like really nice furniture and art and all kinds of stuff that, you know, the kids would just rather have off their hands and worry about figuring out what it's worth. Yep. And stuff like Loveland has some really high-priced homes, but there's also a lot of antiques out on the farm. So there's a really nice mix at the store out that way. And Beachmont, for some reason, gets great stuff. So it's all, you know, it's very interesting. Hmm. Thinking what I'm doing after we record this. I had a quick question in, in my notes here was related to the comedy about being out in Hollywood. Um, I was looking at some old clips of you, and you did Evening at the Improv. And mm-hmm. the host, I swear, and people, Josh and Darren might remember who this, who this guy is. People, Folks, me and older would, would know. Dana Elkar was hosting the show. And Dana yeah. Elkar, for those who... Okay, it was him. For folks who don't know, if you watch any 70s and 80s TV, this guy's a guest star, like, in everything. Uh, he His fam- steady role was uh, in Baba Black Sheep, now syndicated as Black Sheep Squadron. He played one of the colonels in the uh, Army Air Corps there. But, yeah, the, why was Dana Elkar... I looked at IMBD. It's not listed in IMBD. It's not listed in Wikipedia. I'm like, well, maybe that's not him. But I watched this... And this he, was also, he was also the MacGyver's boss. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it's that guy. Yeah. So well, I didn't know. Did he have like an interest in comedy? Did he just grab him and be like, hey, you need to they host had, the show? They had different hosts every week. Okay. So it would be, you know, from a character actor to a star to, you know, musician. 
and they get different people. And that time it was Dana, and he was losing his vision. Oh. Uh, at the time, you could you know you'd see him with his hand on the microphone trying to feel for it. But he was let up and, and down a lot. Huh. But that was a blast. I wore my Roger Bacon jacket. Your uh, your pit bull joke smashed it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that killed. That's... Yeah, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll link to that set in the uh, in the show notes on the uh, blog page. Yeah, people need Good. to check I got that out. A, a block on or something on uh, YouTube with that. The company that owns the show said that I didn't own. You know, I own the comedy, but I didn't own the rights to the show or something like that. So hmm. I hope you can put, do a link on it. Okay. Well, I, I saw it as early as today. So hopefully, um, oh, the YouTube cool. cops won't, uh, won't won't track it down again. Yeah, that was a fun night. Somebody whose name I can't remember right now. Same the Asian woman who stand up show. Oh, Margaret Cho. Margaret Cho. Yeah. Yeah. I did an industry night there. I had a manager. He handled Bill Engvall and Henry Cho and you know, all these other guys of that caliber and me. And I went up on stage and just blocked everything. I don't even know if I was doing my material, but for some reason I was the head of casting for ABC, NBC, CBS. Everybody was there. It's like one of those nights that you wish you didn't blow it, but I did. I was at the improv as well. That happened to me at the Montreal Comedy Festival, so. (laughs) Yeah, you always have those. Yeah. But we're better off for it, man. We're in our hometown doing stuff we love, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was watching this E Hollywood story with my wife. When I left LA, I had to go. Okay, look, your friends are going to get their TV shows. You have to be happy happy with that and comfortable with that. So we're watching the Drew Carey E Hollywood story with my wife, and we're in Westwood. Drew's there in the grotto with Hugh and two playboy bunnies on each arm and my wife says he can't be happy <laughs> <laughs> and i'm looking i'm thinking i know that smile yeah hey, he's happy he's happy but yes dear she is there's no way poor bastard <laughs> so once this world returns to normal are you uh, going to be doing more shows here locally people can check you out yeah, I want to do um, Club 19 reunion shows. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. Planning on doing right before it hit. Just to have those, have people come with their Club 19 cards and stuff like that. And how can people follow along the, the know-it-alls and all the stuff that you're doing uh, right now until that happens? My Facebook page. So Facebook.com slash Michael Flannery 531. And tonight, it's another episode of Know-It-Alls with a special secret guest. And they sit in the back seat. Yeah, you had Randy Little on there recently. Yep, had Randy Little, um, John Morris Russell, the conductor for the Pops. Wild Man Walker was on. Ed Hartman was on last Friday. Wild Man Walker has got to be an easy one to get based on the voice. <laughs> yeah, he was, he, was, he was hiding his voice. I don't, nobody's going to know who I am. Nobody's going to know who I am. <laughs> I said, can you be on? He goes, yeah, then people will find out I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be sure and link to all that. And uh, 
need to get you some gift card codes that you can hand out as additional prizes so people can pick up a Club 19 t-shirt. Cool. We can add the uh, t-shirts question of the day. There you go. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I can write those. Yeah, PF would be <laughs> great for those. How do you come up with your questions? I have a stack from the show. Oh, I, still, that's I, cool. I, yeah, I update them, or I'll just randomly search Cincinnati and another word and see what comes up. Fun, and then I'll do something like, there's a statue at the end of Pyatt Park. Who was the first principal of East End High School? Hmm. No. What? what does the statue have to do with it? Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, Ellen does that on, on her game show where she'll say like some big uh, math problem and then she'll go, what color are Beyonce's eyes? Or something. <laughs> it's, all, it's never not funny. <laughs> well, um, well thank you for, and, and please buy those Club 19 shirts. Yes. Because membership is, it's a lifelong membership. Well, I'll put a link. We got to get those those scheduled. We got to get those reunion shows scheduled when not yeah. time appropriate. I would love that. I just got to find a place. You know, I'd hate to do something and have people get sick. Well, I'll definitely put a link for the shirts in the uh, blog post for the episode, oh. and then people can use this week's uh, code, which you are about to choose, uh, to get their uh, Club Nineteen shirts. Well, thank you, thank you very much. That'll be fun, and thanks for having me on. Well, we need it. We need a code from you that people can use to save money on their next order. It'll only be good until the next episode, but you get to pick what it is. Okay. I know what I want it to be, but I don't want to influence the. What do you want it to be? I want it coming up. I want. Jazz. I want it to be Chavois, but. <laughs> jazz. <laughs> jazz. Make it easy. The jazz guy. Just jazz. Jazz? Okay, perfect. Jazz. Z Perfect. Sorted. And what will they win? What will it give them? It gives them 20% off their purchase at Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com, by the way. So, yeah. Okay. Yep. Use code jazz at checkouts. Or in our stores. You walk into the store and say, I want to use the code jazz. You want me to announce that on the show? No, they got to listen to the episode here. Yeah. Oh, I see. You can tell them to listen for the code on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I will. There you go. Yeah, perfect. I'm kind of slow. I, need, I probably need to take my Adderall again. <laughs> okay. So I want right. everybody to watch this show, and if they watch, they get the, uh, they don't get to see anything if they watch, do they? They'll have to listen. I'll tell them to listen to the show. There you go. There you go. Tell them to pull up an old picture from Club 19. Pull <laughs> and just, just drift away <laughs> yeah i posted an old club 19 shot up there with me and it somebody said boy i didn't remember the three by four tv screens i said yeah i can't remember 32 inch blue jeans either <laughs> that's great well sir we appreciate your time you uh you are a local legend you you do a lot for the community and for amazing stuff uh that goodwill is part of and uh we're happy to call you a friend and if you need anything you let us know well thank you it's an honor to be on your show i appreciate it all right thank See you. you thanks michael yeah thanks right. bye kids <laughs> where do we go from here now that all of the children are growing up and how do we spend our time
Michael Flannery. Boy, I, I, again, I always anguish over the playout song, and that one was just absolutely perfect. Alan Parsons project there from back in, uh, I guess, back in the 80s? Made me do a deep dive on Alan Parsons. Um, uh, always like that tune, and just never one you really think about uh, much, but then when it comes on, you're like, oh, I like that tune. So anyway, taking us through the uh, the end of the episode here with Michael Flannery, we will have links in the blog post on CincyShirts.com for uh, YouTube and for uh, this Facebook page and all that. If you just look at Michael Flannery on Facebook, you'll find it. And if you go to YouTube and look up comedian Michael Flannery, it'll bring up all the comedy stuff, including that uh, A&E Night at the Improv from back in the 80s, which uh, is a really a, a very funny set. Uh, now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you'd like us to have back on the podcast, please drop us a line, podcast at CincyShirts.com, put podcast guest in the subject line and then tell us who you'd like us to have on the show or have back on the show as the case may be be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state if you haven't already check out the Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench to actress Amy Yasbeck we got just tons and tons of great people back there uh, today's show is produced by me with all from Josh and Darren our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing they are from Philadelphia find their music at iTunes Spotify or wherever else you get your music find vintage from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. Lots of among sports teams, old radio stations, those seem to be pretty popular now, old record stores, uh, restaurants, clubs, things like that. It's like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns, of course. And again, the promo code for today is JAZZ, J-A-Z-Z, simple as that. Uh, all one word, obviously. Uh, you can all lowercase, all uppercase, that part doesn't matter. You can use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come into our stores in Hyde Park and over the Rhine and tell your nearest sales associate, hey, I'd like to use the promo code JAZZ to take 20% off my order, and they'll be happy to help you. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye